get in today, I just want to say thank you to Lee um, and Pamela for having me here this morning. Um, you guys have, are amazing, like, have been blessed with an abundance in having him as your senior pastor. And I want to play honour and respect where it is due this morning. Um, and so I had the honour of serving with him for a few months um, at Templestowe Baptist uh, when I was the youth pastor there. And I can tell you, you are in good hands, church, this morning. And on that note, let us pray. Father God, we come before you this morning in your goodness and in your grace and in your mercy, knowing that you are God and that you are good. And Lord Jesus, this morning, May every word that comes out of my lips be anointed by you, and what is not, may it pass away. Lord God, we drink from your cup, and yet rivers flow out of us, and that is the promises of heaven. And so we call on that this morning, that your word would not return void um, in your strength and in your anointing, because it's all about you, Jesus. We give it back to you. Teach us something, Lord. Amen. Well, this morning, church, um, we are going to be looking at the Old Testament, um, Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 1 to 12. If you have your Bibles with you or your devices with you, if you'd like to turn with me and read. This is uh, starting in verse 1. These are the commands, decrees and laws the Lord your God um, directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that you, your children, and their children, and after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all these, all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey that it may go well with you, and that you will increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And and when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of goods that you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then... Um, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I think sometimes, um, I don't know about you, but when it comes to the Old Testament and we have this tendency to go, Old Testament, old, we got the New Testament, we're in the new. Um, and we can often sometimes look down, particularly on the Israelites, and be like, those barbaric people, how could they be so silly that they denied the God that just brought them out of Egypt and did the whole, like, you know, Red Sea crossing thing? And we look at them and go, how could they forget him so quickly and not trust him when it came the first time round of going into the Promised Land? Um, we can look at them and go like, oh, they're child sacrifices and being having told not to do that and not to worship other gods. We're very quick to judge 
the Israelites and the people of the Old Testament. Yet somehow I think sometimes we have more in common with them that we, than we realise, um, that we're only a step or two away from making similar decisions in our context and in our culture. So let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Um, we know the common principle, if it's repeated in the New Testament, from the Old Testament, we keep it, right? Um, has everyone heard that one before? That like if, it's, if Jesus, if it's a command, if it's something that is repeated and said, we hold on to it. Um, here's the thing, right? One thing that sometimes isn't repeated as much is the fact that the blessings that are spoken over the people of God um, and spoken to God's people and proclaimed and that God is declaring, sometimes we have a tendency to let those go as well uh, when we let the Old Testament go. So this morning, church, I would love it if we can sit in a place of taking the blessings that were upon the Israelites' people, the promises of God, the promises of heaven upon us as well. And why can we do that? Because when Jesus died on the cross in his death, burial and resurrection to life again, we are adopted um, into kingship. We are taken into the family of God. We become part of that family and we inherit eternal blessings in Jesus. And there is many blessings that we have, which I believe include the blessings of old. Um, And we are part of that family. And so it's with that mindset that I think we should view this passage this morning, that we continue to inherit the spiritual blessings and promises of God. So the context of what we're looking at, we've got uh, Moses and the Israelites. They've done their 40 years of wandering. Um, Deuteronomy is like rewriting the law a bit um, and he's rewriting this stuff and he's giving them some strong warnings and declarations of what is to come. The promised land. They're standing on the cusp of this. And he goes, before you enter in that, because we've got to remember Moses isn't coming, right? He gets a glimpse, but he's not coming. And he says, this is the stuff you've got to remember. And there seems to be this really simple equation. If you do this, this is what will happen. So if you fear the Lord, you'll enjoy a long life. If by obeying, so this is found right at the start, by obeying, obey the Lord so that it goes well with you and that you will increase. Obey, it'll go well, you'll increase in number as you step into the promised land. Now, I believe we can step into these promises as well as we sit and abide in who Jesus is. And bear with me, I'll get to that. Because they are stepping into their promised land, the land of milk and honey. You know what I find really interesting about this? Um, My dad constantly tells me that I'm terrible at growing grass and I'm a bad farmer because my grass is not as green as my neighbour's grass. Now, let me tell you, this week alone, I can tell you why my neighbour's grass is super green. Um, Because he sprays chook manure over his grass. And you can spare a thought for me, one of the lockdowns were in one time, he had sprayed a lot of chook manure around the place. It has a particular smell. Um, And... (laughs) When it rains, it's fine. So we had enough rain the last two days that it's gone. However, this one lockdown, it did not rain the whole time. (laughs) But they say don't move to the country unless if you don't want to smell it. Um, But the the concept of the land of milk and honey, what does that mean? 
Uh, milk comes from good pastures. And so by having good pastures, it means the milk from the livestock is going to be good. Um, they're going to have Owen, my neighbour's pastures, not mine. Um, and honey, it's not talking about honey, the nectar, that, like the honey that we spread on our toast this morning. It's talking about particularly the honey of the fruits of the land, like the honey from the date and that nectar is the honey that it's referring to. And so as you would know, um, when they went and spied out the land 40 years earlier, I love this part, is like they come back bringing some of the fruits. What did they bring? Does anyone know? Grapes, thank you. Very, very large grapes, apparently, because what they had to do was use a pole between two people to carry these grapes. So this is a land that has fertile grass, um, that, you know, you plant things, it grows well, and so they are going to be prosperous in this land. This is the land of the promised land. Let me suggest this morning to you, if you love Jesus, you are living in your promised land. Because the second we declare that we love Jesus, we are accepted into an eternity with him. And that starts today. It starts the day that you accept him. Because we will no longer perish, but live in him. And so we are living in that. And yes, we also are aware of the fact that we live in a broken and sinful world. And it is the, the very hard concept of the now and not yet. Yet we have stepped into those promises and we can call upon those promises of heaven. Um, yet we are waiting for the ultimate reunion with Jesus in heaven. Um, our promised land, our land of milk and honey, where we can flourish is now in the promises of who Jesus is is our promised land. And this, is, this concept of obeying Jesus and who he is is repeated in the New Testament. In John 14, 15, we find this. If you love me, keep my commands. I want to be clear about this because sometimes we can fall into this trap of thinking, if I just work hard enough, if I just do enough, I can earn my salvation. You cannot earn your salvation. There is nothing you can do to make yourself right with God. The only way that you can be right with God is through the death and resurrection of Jesus on that cross. This is not a salvation point. However, this is victory living. How do we live in the kingdom of God in victory? How do we live in the kingdom of God in the fullness of what he has for us? He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Why does he give us those commands? to keep us safe in him, to keep us walking well so life will go well with us. The how. How do we do this? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. As we know, you probably know this verse a lot better from the New Testament, not the Old. Um, But let me explain one or two of these words. So heart. We think heart down here. Um, in the Jewish context and in the Hebrew, it's actually meaning heart kind of kicks for them a little bit, little bit more with the mind, um, with thought process, the inner being of your thought process. And your soul, that is like the centre of your emotions. Um, and so loving God with your soul and with your strength, um, they're not talking about physical strength, but they're talking about every part of who you are and what you do. Um, The message says it this way um, in uh, Deuteronomy. It says, loving God with all you've got. Um, It's to say that I'm going to love him with every element of my life. There is a practical element 
of these promises. The word says, you need to put it on your heart. So we're talking about our mind, right? We're putting it up here. We're impressing it upon your children. Talk to them, um, talking about it when you sit and when you walk. Tying them as symbols to your hands and binding them to your forehead. And write them on the door frame, on your door frames and on your gates. Now in Orthodox um, Judaism, they actually do this, right? And so you'll see some of them that have tied it to their heads and their hands. Why? Because it's like, I'm going to let this imprint upon my head, like in my mind as a reminder, and my hands because my actions are going to live out these decrees. And it's not just this one, they have a few more verses in there as well. It's this physical reminder of what Jesus has done. Now, I don't know whether Moses meant to be literal about this originally or metaphoric. Well, I dare say it was a bit of a metaphor. Um, but, like I said, they have um, some, um, some Jews have uh, taken to doing that as a reminder. But I think what is clear in this poetry is this. It's to be about every element of your life. If you want to raise your young people in the ways of God, it needs to be all about him. The reminder of who he is. And the last part is attached with the blessing and the blessing that is to come when you do this. And this is what it says. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build. That, that is a blessing. They did not have to build them. They just received them. Houses filled with all kinds of goods you did not provide. There's provision in the promised land. Um, wells you did not have to dig. 44 holes. It's a lot of holes. <laughs> Wells they did not have to dig. Um, and then vineyards and olive groves you did not have to plant. Um, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, the land of slavery. Here's the thing for us. We have not done anything to earn who Jesus, who Jesus is and what he did on the cross. In that we are in a state of total provision and reliance upon him. He has provided a way forward for us. He has provided blessings for us that in his riches and in his mercy, he said, actually, you do not need to go and pay the penalty for your sin. I will take you back. I want to be in relationship with you. But beyond just that, he then says, you can now live a victorious life in me. Blessings upon blessings, mercies upon mercies that we do not deserve to receive. That is who Jesus is. And let me give you this reminder this morning. When life starts to feel good, don't forget what Jesus has done. When life starts to feel okay again, we're out of these crazy lockdowns, it's feeling a little bit more normal. Um, you know, we're having conversations like, you had it yet? Um, instead of, you know, oh, was it as bad as they thought it was? Um, you know, starting to realise sometimes the fear of something is worse than the actual outcome um, for some people. But then holding intention that it can be a lot worse for other people. And so we continue to go back to Jesus. But in that, we go, what are we living in? We're living in the promises 
of heaven. But let us not forget in the good times who God is. Statistically, more young people and more people cried out to Jesus and prayed during COVID than previous years. Um, So that is one of the stats that's floating around at the moment, uh, that they were reaching out and praying, that they were reaching out and reading the Bible, that they were more likely to engage in an online service than normal, which is amazing news. But let us not forget in the good times who Jesus is. Because here's the thing, right? There is no young person that walks the the face of this earth like there is no other human that walks the face of this earth that is not beyond the need of Jesus. We all have a need for Jesus. You are not so sordid in your life that you don't need Jesus. You might think you got it going on, but you don't. Like simple. And just like, and here's the thing, right? No one is beyond the reach of Jesus either. It doesn't matter how far we have fallen, where you have gone, what you have done, no no matter how badly you have stuffed up. It was at our worst that Christ died for us, fully knowing what you had done before you'd ever done it. Because here's the thing, he died a few thousand years ago. He already knew what you were going to do. And he already said, I'll pay the price for that. It's good news. You are not beyond the reach of Jesus. And I'm telling you, friend, you have a need for him. Well, um, I was praying uh, when Lee asked me to preach um, this morning. I was like, Mother's Day? I've only got fur babies. Um, And I was just like, oh, great. This is stuck. What am I going to preach on? And I was praying and praying. I had this overwhelming sense from Jesus that, um, that he wanted me to preach on this topic of instilling blessing upon the next generation Um, and that some of the stats, as much as I said it's great that young people are reaching out during COVID, um, one of the stats that kind of counteract that, um, they're exploring it but they're not actually turning up at church. Um, There's a bit of a contradiction there if that makes sense. They'll explore it, talk about it but not turn up. Um, One of the biggest issues in the, um, you know, I'd say instead of using the term pandemic on that, there's a pandemic in faith um, and particularly young people from high school to young adults. Um, And there was a report written quite a few years ago now called Hemorrhaging Faith. The Hemorrhaging Faith Research interviewed over 2,000 young people and identified four types of spiritual orientations in students and young adults. And they're summarised like this. There are the engagers. And of this this surveyed group, 23% of that age group were engagers. Engagers are those who are active in church and open to God. They had overwhelming overwhelming experiences of answered prayers, the love of God and emotional healing in the church. Group two, the fence sitters, 36%. Statistically, the largest group tend to have a religious affiliation but have not claimed it as their own. Many have experienced God but for some reason they have not committed to Christianity. And then third, we have the wanderers at 26%. Wanderers are those who have had Christian heritage, though being involved with church as a child, but would not describe themselves as Christian. They generally have a somewhat positive um, view of Christianity. And then at 15%, we have the rejectors. Where the wanderers have a positive view of Christianity, despite not being Christians, the rejectors have a strong negative view of the church and have completely rejected the church. Um, 
in looking at some of this research across the different things. Often it has been the mentality of the church, um, and I've seen this time and time again, it's like, oh, they'll just go off and do their own thing for a bit. They've just got to find themselves, and then they'll come back. Statistically, they are not going to come back. They're not coming. They're more likely to walk away and walk away permanently. They're not coming back in their 30s. Or you might hear the comment, oh, I had kids, so now I'm going to start engaging in church. We're not seeing that trend anymore. It's a harsh reality. This report, um, and then this was in a Canadian report, I might add, um, but however, the stats between Canada and Australia in terms of church attendance and the demographics of young people are very similar. We're not that similar to America, and Canada's not very similar to America as well, as close as they are, ironically. Um, but this, but there is a bit of parallel, and there was a bit of research done at the time into the Australian what it looks like, contextualised for us as well. But some of the encouraging findings. Now, every young person in the ear close, um, in the room close your ears. Parents and grandparents. Statistically, you are the most influential person in your young person's life, um, particularly spiritually. Uh, young people, whether you like it or not, mum and dad still have some form of effect. Um, and... They watch and they see. Young adults whose parents were in the high spiritual discipline cluster were five times as likely to attend a religious service weekly and more as young adults than those in parents with low to moderate spiritual discipline clusters. This research found that if you had parents that were engaging in reading the Bible in the Word, their kids were more likely to be in church. Young adults whose parents were in... um, were the, in the high parental spiritual discipline cluster were approximately three times more likely to pray daily than those whose parents came from other spiritual discipline clusters and were twice as likely to pray at least weekly. Um, young adults, if young adults remember their parents being consistent and regular in church attendance and outside of prayer, um, prayer outside of grace and the Bible reading, these spiritual disciplines are more likely to occur in their own lives. It's simple. It was written about thousands of years ago. If you imprint it on your head, your heart, your hands, the doors, you teach it to your children, you make it a part of your daily life, they're going to pick it up. It's really simple. As parents, we have a responsibility to live out and teach the ways of the Lord. Because unfortunately, they're not simply going to return from COVID without some divine intervention. Our second responsibility is to declare and believe the promises of God over your young people's lives. Young people, can I encourage you? There's a few of you in the house this morning. What up? Hey, you should come join the camp. I'm going to be there. Um, And so it's Maroondah City Church. We're going to have a whole lot of fun. Um, I want to know... Oh, okay, this is a type of fun. Um, Just side note. Type of fun I think of. The other day I tripped on my electric fence. It's a cattle-grade electric fence. I thought of a whole new youth night. It's going to be amazing. Come to camp. No, I'm not going to electrocute you. A few of you are looking at me a little bit stunned. Okay, we're going to have some fun. Um, As I keep telling my youth kids, what happens on camp stays on camp. 
except broken bones. And yeah. And so we're going to have a whole lot of fun. So make sure you get along to that because it's going to be epic. But young people, let me tell you this. Um, Statistically, most of you in the next few years won't be in church. You have a choice. You can choose Jesus or you can choose to walk away. It's a simple choice. If you want to know the things that keep young people inside the house of God, it's, it's three things. There's three things from this report that we had in common. Young people that serve in the house are more likely to stay. Young people that have intergenerational connections, meaning they've got a friend who's older than them. Yeah, those like, I know, old people who would have thought you can be friends with them, they're great. Um, <laughs> often they have snacks in their bags. I don't know why. Um, get around the snacks. Um, so let me employ you. Adopt someone in your church that is younger than you. And so different generational relationships keep young people engaged in church. And the third one is doing a mission trip and exposure of some sort. If your young person wants to do any form of mission trip, get them there ASAP. Um, because it is a game changer. If you want an opportunity to do that, second sneaky plug, um, if you want an opportunity to do that, uh, the other half of my world involves working for an organisation called Youth Dimension and we run short-term mission trips for young people to go on and they're local short-term mission trips. The next one coming up is in the middle of this year and I'm more than happy to tell you more details about it because it's super fun. Um, But our choice is our response in this. We have the ability to respond to who Jesus is. (laughs) That was the Pentecostal wink. It's time to start that exiting music. Um, We're about halfway through. No. (laughs) We have a choice how we respond. As parents and as young people. Young people, you have a choice. Like I said, you can choose Jesus. Because he stands there and says, Hey, I want to be part of your life. I want to declare blessings over your life that it will go well with you. Why will it go well with you? Not because because we have to do things to earn Jesus, but Jesus says, hey, come and abide in me because I want a good life for you. I don't want you to live tapped out every weekend, not remembering what happened because you're capping. He wants you to understand who He is in that fullness of who He is. He sees you and knows you and at your worst, He says, I want you. And He wants to give you hope for a future and a life with Him. You can choose that. Parents of young people. I just had this massive sense when praying about this that there are young people in your lives that might not be represented here this morning that no longer walk in faith that you are praying for, or maybe you've even given up on praying for because you think no, there's no hope for them. They are not beyond the reach of Jesus and they're not beyond the need for Jesus. We have to stand and declare the promises of heaven over our young people. We need to get serious about declaring who they are and what God has in store for them. In Deuteronomy 7, it says this, and we're going to move into a time of communion church. 
Peter says this, if you'll pay attention to these laws and careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep His covenant of love with you as He swore to your ancestors. And these are the promises. Let's declare this over our families, over our households. He will love you and bless you and increase your numbers. He will bless the fruit of your womb and the crops of your land, your grain, your new wine and your olive oil, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks in the land that He swore to your ancestors to give. He will bless you more than any other people. None of your men or women will be childless, nor will your livestock be without young. Now, I know on Mother's Day for some of us this morning, it can be hard because we maybe are not mothers yet or we never had the opportunity to be mothers. And we read a verse like that and we say, well, why not me, God? But we can sit in that place of understanding that God in His fullness and blessings is a God that is working. And there is many spiritual children that need mothers that need someone to look out for. And I know sometimes that feels like a cop-out answer, it like honestly does, but yet God says, hey, I'm raising up a generation and there is plenty that need mothers. If you want to know, there's over 10,000 kids in the foster care system at the moment. I think it's even higher now, post-COVID. They need parents. They need to be reached. But let's hold on to these blessings as we look at the grain, the wine and the oil. This is a precursor for Jesus and Jesus coming. If I could get the host to come down the front for communion, a precursor being this, that the grain and the bread, that Jesus is is going to be the blessing of Jesus' body broken for us. The wine represents His shed blood and the oil represents His Spirit poured out onto us and into us. The oil was always representative of the Holy Spirit. Um, the wine represents obviously Jesus' shed blood and the grain or the bread. So whenever we're seeing this in the Old Testament, we know it's a precursor of Jesus who is to come and give us ultimate salvation in Him. So this morning as we take communion together, let us, us, let us remember and declare the promises of heaven over our families. Now, communion can be one of these interesting things. We can come to communion with this prostrate of how guilty I am, how wrong I am, how stuffed up I am. But I actually think Jesus says, come, I want to minister to you in my fullness because I've bestowed upon my righteousness upon you already if you've accepted me. So let us not come timid or shy, but let us come in the fullness of who Jesus is and let Him minister to us this morning. Jason's going to sing The Blessing. It's a song written by Bethel. Um, and I think it could be someone Cody else. Cons, actually. Uh, what? Carrie Joe. Yeah, wrong person. It's good though. It's still Bethel. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Hashtag partly right. But he's going to sing that. And let's declare this over your families this morning. We're going to open the altar. If you'd like to take communion, you can take it back to your seat. You can take it in your own time as you declare blessings over your family. But if you'd like prayer this morning, if you'd like to be anointed with the oil, there is anointing oil. Um, If you would like to come back into relationship with Jesus, the altar is open and we will pray for you. Don't go home hungry. Be filled with the bread, the wine. 
Father God, we come before You this morning knowing that You are good, that You see us and that You want us. Lord God, I pray over every young person in this house this morning that You would be calling them to Yourself, that You know their innermost beings and you have seen it and you have loved it and that you want them. Lord Jesus, I declare in your name the blessings of heaven upon them, that they would walk all the days of their lives, that they would not end up a statistic that says they are not in church, but they are going to be young people that serve you, a generation that rises up and takes hold of who you are and changes their generation for your good and your glory, Lord God, because for some reason you want to use us, Jesus. We want to come back to the foot of the altar and say, take me, make me, mould me, Jesus. And Lord God, for the young people that are not here this morning, for our families, we declare the blessings of heaven over them, that they will increase in numbers, that, that you will love and bless us, that there will be, we will be fruitful for your kingdom, Lord God, and that they would return to your house in Jesus' name. We want to get serious, Lord God, about the grain, the wine, and the cup, because in your promises are yes and amen. So we say yes and amen this morning as we come.